0: First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey Davis. Crowder trying to get him out of space. Oh, Slips a tackle. And there he goes. Crowder. It's a foot race. And Crowder is in there. A 69 yard touchdown. Hill hit immediately. He yes. got the handoff. You know <laughs> The QAnator. <laughs> oh my God. Listen.
2: Thank you.
4: From the jet.com digital studio This is Play Like a Jet My name is Scott Mason You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1 It's time for something bittersweet right now Unfortunately, it's the Zach Wilson weekly report card It's the last one we're going to do for a little bit Because as you know, Zach Wilson got himself injured In the game against the New England Patriots He's going to be out two to four weeks And so this will be the last opportunity for a little while To talk to the quarterback whisperer of Colorado The king of kings, the coach of coaches, the CEO of jenkins elite mr tim jenkins tim what's going on buddy
1: oh you know just uh yeah i had to watch i think the same thing that that all the jets fans did and i think it's uh obviously uh it's always a bummer when you see someone because it is so much fun to evaluate zach so it's always a bummer when somebody has to miss time but hopefully nothing comes up and, and he's able to get back out there in you know two weeks
4: i guess on the positive side not that it has anything to do with zach wilson but your guy P.J. Walker got in there on Sunday against the Giants, so I guess that's good news for you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no doubt, <laughs> no doubt. Whenever uh, whenever our guys get in, it's a good deal. I tweeted out that I think it's always a tough thing when you get in there and then all you're doing is throwing four verts because you're down by a ton. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's always good whenever those guys get in. So I think, P.J., it's, it's always fun to watch those guys get in there and, and kind of rip it around a little bit and try to see if they can be a spark, unfortunately, for the – for the Panthers, it was already, uh writing was already on the wall with the Giants.
4: Yeah, same thing was the case with the Jets. Mike White had that nice touchdown pass to Corey Davis, but the New England Patriots absolutely stomped a mud hole in them, as we know. 54 points the Jets gave up, so didn't really matter much. But let's talk about what Zach Wilson did before he went out with the injury Tim, I thought that he was actually a lot better in this game than he had been against the Atlanta Falcons. I thought that he was making some nice throws. There was one in particular where he got away on a third down, completed a strike to Ryan Griffin. Also a flip on a third down where it looked like he was going to end up getting sacked and the Jets were going to have to punt. Overall, just much more impressive. It looked a lot like the Zach Wilson we saw against Carolina. I don't want to go and say that it was the Zach Wilson we saw against Tennessee, but against Carolina, especially in that second half, he had some nice moments. I thought we saw quite a bit of that in the early going. Now, he obviously didn't have that many opportunities to throw the ball because he went out in the first half. But still, it was a nice improvement. I'm hoping he can build on that when he comes back.
1: Yeah, I think when you're looking at what he did in his the limited time that you could watch him, you kind of thought – To me, obviously, I I thought they struggled early on offense, but I thought they really started to turn the corner. Like you're saying, I thought he made a great flip play. I think when you saw him get out of the pocket and deliver to the tight end, I liked that one. And then all of a sudden, right, you get what's one of the more effective plays in football, which is the underthrown deep ball, and you get DPI, right? Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden you get defensive pass interference, and, and you'd love to see, okay, well, now they're all the way down at the two. Unfortunately, it's the play that he goes down on. Um, so to me, it's like, I I really thought they were going in a good direction with him. And I thought the offense as a whole was starting to heat up. So I think it was one of those things that is a real bummer that we didn't get to see him finish this thing out because he was turning it on so much.
4: When he took that sack on the third down, I know that Lajay Duzabal said that he thought it was disappointing because Jamison Crowder was wide open on that particular play and Zach Wilson didn't see him and ended up taking the sack, and he's got to have better awareness. In fact, another thing that was said by both Lachey Duzabal and Bart Scott on SNY is that Zach Wilson needs to have a better awareness of where his hot reads are. Is that something that occurred to you watching the tape?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think anytime you're talking hot and sights, you've got to have a massive understanding of, of protections, not only protections, but you have to have an understanding of what they're doing internally. Um, to me, there was a nickel off the edge that there was an over route that was going to come open. And by all means, I think it was a look that there's no reason on planet earth that your right tackle wouldn't pop to take the hit off. Like there was no other threat. So to me, yeah, there's a time and a place where you've got to know what your site is. Um, but there's also times where just because it's a free runner doesn't mean it's a hotter a site. Like, that's an important thing for fans at home to know. Just because someone came off the edge doesn't mean that you were supposed to throw hot. There's perfectly valid situations in which the back is supposed to scan Will to Sam, and if he doesn't, or if the line doesn't pop out there because they have a DN bail, like, you're not hot, right? It's a missed assignment up front. So, to me, it's there's a big difference between, hey, I need to know where my hots and sights are, and, hey, you know... You didn't, and a really good indication of if someone was hot was did the receiver adjust their route. So a really easy way for people who didn't play in the NFL or don't really understand hots and sights because they played a different position other than quarterback or, or offensive line or receiver is if the receiver doesn't amend his route, meaning hey, like I don't stop and sit down, or I don't run a slant, or I don't run a quick speed out to adjust based on the the, the blitz that's you know coming at us you're probably not hot and then it's usually a protection missed assignment or a back missed assignment so that's something when you when you're looking at all this stuff as you know for fans uh, I know they hear a lot of stuff where it's like oh the quarterback's got to know if he's hot well if the receiver doesn't break hot he probably wasn't so then it was probably a protection breakdown and those are things that they're really easy to say and it's really easy as a former player to say like hey you know, they should have been hot. And then people go, Oh, well he played. So he must understand. And the reality is, is it's so much, it's so complex. Like, I don't know. I, I always have a, tr- I have a hard time when people decide, Hey, I'm going to opine on quarterback play. Cause listen, I'm not going to sit here and try to talk about like, Hey, this is how a linebacker should have adjusted his blitz. Cause I have no damn idea. I never played anything other than quarterback. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing quarterback and people are saying, man, you should have been hotter or, or it's a side adjust here. Well, You know, here's nine things that we can see on film that shows that it probably wasn't a hot adjustment because the quarterback didn't adjust, the receiver didn't adjust, and oh, by the way, the right tackle is chasing someone inside where we have a center and guard both sliding to him. So to me, it's like, is that a hot or is it a missed assignment up front? So that's the kind of stuff that I think, uh, yeah, when I looked at the tape, I didn't see that, but... It's not to say that that wasn't what was going on the, the quarterback and receiver both could have missed the hot but the reality is is the odds that both of your play you know both your players didn't miss it or we didn't design a hot within the play i just find um just intellectually dishonest
0: lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten
3: lucky
2: lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office
4: Tim, I want to ask you about his footwork because with Zach Wilson, one thing that broke on Sunday was Chris Mortensen on ESPN saying that he had sources that said that the Jets were not enthralled with his footwork and that it was a problem that they had seen at BYU that needed to be fixed and hadn't been fixed yet. I wanted you to put your quarterback's coach hat on for a second because, A, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't remember there being a huge footwork problem with Zach Wilson at BYU. B, I wanted your take on what his footwork has looked like so far here in the pros. And C, if they are sitting there saying that his footwork is a mess and it hasn't been fixed yet, isn't that at least in part an indictment on the coaching staff for not fixing it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I can fix it in a week if they just fly out there. Pay the if they fly me out, pay the consulting fee. It's done, <laughs> you know. So, I uh, here's the deal. I think playing with your right foot back in the shotgun is the worst thing to happen to quarterback play ever. I think, I think Tom Brady started it, and the reason that it's just such a nuanced conversation, and I'm going to dive into it for the listeners because Tom Brady starts it in New England. He puts his right foot back in the gun. Well, why do they do that? They do that because. Receivers normally play their inside foot up, okay? So when I play with my inside foot up, my slants are at three steps, okay? Well, when you have guys like Wes Welker, right, think about the receivers that they had other than Randy Moss. They lacked height. They weren't generating the same amount of space in their quick game. So what they decided to do was they put Tom Brady's right foot back in the gun and they put their receivers outside foot up. So now I'm running a four-step slant, Okay. And as a quarterback with my right foot back, now I'm taking essentially a two-step drop instead of a catch flip. So it all timed up. But it's Tom Brady. So everyone watches it. And then Aaron Rodgers adapts it. Well, why does Aaron Rodgers adapt it? They weren't adapting it because of the depth issue. He adapted it because it gave him the ability to throw those swing screens and smoke screens at a way quicker rate than having to flip his feet in what we would call a catch flip. So now you've got two of the best quarterbacks of all time doing it on Sunday. When that happens, everyone starts doing it. And they don't understand why, right? You've got college coaches, high school coaches, quarterback coaches teaching it. And and I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but they do it without really understanding, well, why were these guys doing it? So then you created this generation of quarterback that plays with their right foot back in the gun. And it's not within the structure of an offense because they still have their left inside foot up. But enough people do it. Then it gets adopted by, let's call it, half the NFL. But I would tell you that it's ruining quarterback play. It ruined Drew Locke in Denver. I I firmly believe if he just had his left foot back in the gun and they taught him traditional drops paired with the traditional West Coast routes they're running, he'd have been a way more effective quarterback. So when you talk about a kid's sloppy footwork, but you don't have a solution for it, it's frustrating to me to hear because you saw it on tape. He played with his right foot back at BYU and they did nothing to adjust it. He, of course, makes up for it. And listen, there are guys that are good enough to play with their right foot back. They punch, flip, and they have natural instincts to be able to sink. But the reality is, is most quarterbacks, you need to tie their footwork to the route. And not only will their feet get there on time, but then their eyes will. And when a quarterback's playing efficient with his eyes and his feet, he's going to be a way better player. But we have this whole generation of quarterbacks that are playing with their right foot back for no goddamn reason. Right. And they're just out there and that's why they're late to stuff or they're early to stuff. And so, hey, I'm throwing the RAM concept now, which is where your slot receiver runs a little sit and your outside receiver runs the big end behind it. Well, because I have my right foot back, this normally should be a three plant to the end. Instead, I take a punch two, and I don't see the in route window yet. Because why? It's not open because I'm there a step early. So to me, it's this whole thing that started because of Tom Brady. So if you want to hate Tom Brady more, here's the reason why, right? (laughs) But it started with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers doing it for very specific reasons. But it, but it kind of, you know, infiltrated every level of football with people that frankly probably don't understand the game at a high enough level to know why they were doing it. And then it just started getting taught and repeated. And then we get guys and then their NFL coach says, hey, well, he's got bad footwork. Well, listen, you had all of OTA's rookie camp mm-hmm. to put his left foot back and tie his feet to this, to his progression or adapt. If he wants to play with his right foot back, adapt. Hey, we're going to go outside foot up here. We're going to go this, this, and this to make these routes, these concepts time up better. Instead, they don't do it. And then they just say, hey, we don't like the kid's footwork. And they tell Mortensen to go tell it on ESPN. And it's just the dumbest stuff ever. So to me, it's like, yeah, sure. Like there are things that he does that I don't prefer, but you also either coach it to happen or allow it to happen. And too often we let NFL coaches just scapegoat players. And we don't really sit there and go, okay, well, why didn't you address this in rookie minicamp? It's not like there was a lack of reps for the kid. So to me, it's just a tough thing where it's like, I could see where the footwork frustrations are coming from, but like anyone with a shred of football IQ should have been able to see it coming. So to me, I just assumed that they were going to let him play with his right foot back and they were going to adjust the route concepts to fit. But based on them saying we don't like his footwork, They obviously were just saying, hey, play with your right foot back. We don't care. And they weren't going to tie any of the routes to it because, you know, quite frankly, they come from a place in San Fran that what? Plays with their right foot back, right? And then so does Kyle Shanahan know why he did it? Maybe. Did he articulate that to his staff? Maybe not. So to me, it's like you just keep building this never-ending cycle, and then we keep pointing at guys like Aaron Rodgers. Look, he does it. Look, Deshaun Watson did it. Well, you know what? Everyone's not Aaron Rodgers. I'm fairly convinced if we blindfolded him at the snap, turned him around, and snapped him the ball, and he had to flip, take his blindfold off, and then catch it, he'd still be pretty decent. <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't base everything on him, and maybe we should look at more guys like, you know, Drew Brees, etc. That okay? Why were they doing this? Or Brady? And you can see they do it because they want to elongate quick games, or or, or whatever the reason might be, and. So, yeah, sorry, that was a long tangent. But, yeah, the footwork criticism is valid. The fact that it wasn't fixed already, that's the part that, to me, is super frustrating.
4: How much of the not being fixed yet do you put on Mike LaFleur? And also, how much blame should Mike LaFleur take for the early struggles of Zach Wilson? And do you think that it's an indictment on him that, A, we're hearing this stuff about the footwork – and B, that there have been so many up and downs so far, and that it appears that LaFleur hasn't really adjusted to cover that?
1: Here's the argument. Okay, here would be the only argument to leak this to the press, is that it was addressed in rookie camp. Zach said he didn't want to change it. They're now struggling because of it, so they leak it, right? That would be the one argument to leak it is because Zach – whether in his pre-draft prep or at BYU or whatever, was like, no, this is what I want to do. And he didn't change. Then you can leak it to the press and then put pressure on from the outside, right? That's the argument to leak it. Other than that, if that wasn't the case, if this hasn't been brought up with Zach before, this is 100% on the floor then for not fixing, right? That's just the truth. So it's like, it's either, hey, I tried to address it. He didn't want to. So now I'm leaking it, which to me, I don't like it, but it makes sense. Right. I just would rather operate like I'm, you know, in my day to day. If there's something wrong, I'll say it. Right. I'd rather just operate in conflict for a short period and fix it. You know what I mean? Then, hey, like talk about it in a roundabout way. But I can at least understand if he tried to fix it and couldn't get it done, then you leak it. But if it was one of those things that's never been brought up to Zach before, then it's 100% on the floor and, and there's just no way around it.
4: Tim another quarterback coach question something that only a person who played quarterback would have a specific insight on I wanted to ask you about when the Jets went out and got Joe Flacco back it sort of validated I think the people like myself who had been pounding the table saying that the Jets needed a veteran backup for Zach Wilson some people have said that it's because he needed a mentor somebody bounce things off of in the quarterback room and I think there's some validity to that but to me The major reason that you needed a veteran backup is because in case Zach Wilson got hurt, you have a bunch of young players and you need a quarterback who's good enough to at least put them in positions to show you what they can do. And I don't know that they would have been able to have that opportunity if Mike White were the starting quarterback for any long stretch of time. Talk to me about that. Do you think I'm right? Do you think that having a capable backup, a good hand like Joe Flacco helps that? Or do you think I'm overstating the case?
1: I think having a capable backup helps in the sense that you're saying of, hey, we can have, you know, we're going to make sure that the formation's correct. These guys are running the right routes. Things are articulated well in the huddle. Like all of that makes perfect sense. The mentor thing, I think, at times can get overblown, mm-hmm. you know. Like, do we really need Joe Flacco in his ear or should his quarterback coach just be better, right? Like, I think yeah, sometimes it gets overstated, like, how much there's communication. Like, I, you know, I saw firsthand Sam Bradford and Kellen Clemens, right, that that relationship. And Kellen, of course, was a good locker room guy and had been in the NFL forever in terms of, like, Sam turning to Kellen when like things got hard. Like usually the conversation starts with the coordinator and quarterback coach, right? That's why they make millions of dollars. You know? So I think it's one of those things that at times the mentor aspect of it, I think, can get overblown. What you said about getting the receivers in the right position and all that kind of stuff from a huddle standpoint and articulating the play, that makes perfect sense. Um, so to me, it's like one of those things that it's like, you know. Would it have been better to have Flacco on the roster already? Probably. Um, but I think they're still getting done kind of what you were saying because they went out and got him. So now they have somebody to really further the evaluation of all these young guys.
4: Tim, through six weeks, how would you compare Zach Wilson to the other rookie quarterbacks? Obviously, we haven't seen... All that much from Trey Lance He only had that one start Justin Fields has had quite a few starts Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence have started All of their games How would you compare those guys all of them so far
1: Yeah I think that's a great question I think you I think Zach is obviously Not playing as bad As Fields currently Um, You know I think Obviously Fields is up against it in Chicago In terms of the way they're trying to Make him successful Versus kind of maybe how you could help him, but I think Zach is is kind of more skewing towards where Trevor and Mac Jones are. Uh, the one thing I'll say is I do think Mac Jones has maybe maybe had the most success, but I also think that he has the most equipped, maybe the most, uh, yeah, the best setup in terms of coaches. And having an exact game plan for what they wanted to do with a rookie quarterback, um, I think we don't give Josh McDaniels nearly enough credit for kind of what he's drawn up there. And you can hate the short passes or think Max checking it down all you want, but the reality is, is that offense has been effective. You know, they they scored twenty nine points against Dallas and lost, right? So to me, it's like they're obviously being effective with a rookie. And I think it just goes to show that they had a great plan in place. So to me, it's, I don't think it's i I don't think it's a negative on Zach. I just think unfortunately him and Trevor are in much more similar situations to fields, I think, in which they're kind of maybe turning everything free on them versus having some really, you know, great guardrails for him. So to me, I think that's kind of, that's kind of what I see when I'm looking at this rookie class.
4: Tim, when Zach Wilson comes back, what are you going to be looking to see in terms of improvements? And also, what are you going to be looking to see in terms of improvements from Mike LaFleur, who, for reasons we've discussed, has been under fire so far for Zach Wilson's development and the fact that it hasn't gone the way that a lot of people had hoped?
1: What I'd like to see from Zach is just an improvement in, you know, quick game and ball location. And again, right to me, what they were saying about footwork is probably the root cause of it but to me I think there's just an easier way to set your base to things than than they're trying to have him do so I'd want to see a little I want to see the ball placement improve the accuracy improve which I do think you can solve in season a lot of people are like well you don't want to change someone's footwork or whatever I, I disagree greatly because I think footwork is actually the easiest thing to address as a quarterback like the way my the my movement pattern from my feet is so much easier to address than my biomechanic pattern from like the way I bring the ball back or rotate up or, or the you know way I try to generate power. Like that's way harder to adjust than like hey take a three step here you know. Especially when someone's been playing quarterback their whole life. Like quarterback is something that yeah you know on on Twitter I tweet videos out of my five year old taking drops. Like it's not a hard thing to learn if you can just articulate it. So. To me, I'd like to see that improve. And then from the from the play-calling perspective, I'd love to see more quick game. I'd love to see more of that boot stuff. Um, and I'd love to see us kind of get out of some of these bunch concepts that, frankly, you turn on the tape and you're like, what the heck are you trying to do? It's like three guys are running in the general same vicinity, like, and they lack vertical and horizontal spacing. So to me, I'd like to see us get away from some of the exotic bunch stuff that I'm not sure what they're doing unless it's like a – hey, we're trying to run three pick plays at this one shallow coming, which if that was the case, makes sense. But then we're calling it against zone, so it doesn't really make sense. And we use no pre-snap indicators to figure out if it is man or zone, which, again, just makes even less sense. So to me, it's like I would really like to see that improve from him and utilize some more of the boot, get Zach on the edge a little bit, give him some easier stuff to start the game so the offense can feel what it's like for their feet to be moving forward. I think we – we underestimate the psychological advantage when you, you know, you break the huddle, you go up there and then you're moving forward. Right. So I think give him some easier stuff and really kind of let him ease himself into the game. But um, I do think there's just a lot that has to be addressed on this offense. And I think it can be, it just takes some heavy lifting. And then it's a matter of if they feel like they can get it done in season. And and if they don't, then I guess, you know, you look to the off season, but to me, it's perfectly rational things to be able to solve, you know, in a week time, you know, in, you know, week to week before your each game.
4: Tim, anything else you wanted to talk about in terms of Zach Wilson, whether it was from this game against the New England Patriots or anything specific that you've noticed over the first six games of his career so far?
1: No, I think I, I, the only thing I'd say is that you know, patience for Jets fans, which I know is hard, but you're not going to know everything about this kid. Then this season, you're probably going to start to get to figure it out at the end of next season. You know, and I, I think that's always hard for fan bases to be patient. And then, you know, me, I could probably go for six and a half hours just talking about the right foot back thing and the gun. I'm like Bill Belichick talking about long snappers. But uh, yeah, no, I just, yeah, I, I think as long as everyone's patient, it's going to give this kid a shot to, to really develop into, you know, the superstar that he should be. Um, but again, man, there's so many factors that go into it between the play calling, play design, what he does. and and I just hope they give him a shot. And I, and I hope everyone's patient with it.
4: He is the quarterback whisperer of Colorado, the king of kings, the coach of coaches, the CEO of Jenkins Elite, Mr. Tim Jenkins. Tim, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. I guess we're not going to be doing shows for a couple of weeks until Zach Wilson heals up, but in the meantime, (laughs) you're still going to be doing a lot of great videos. You've got a couple of them up over at your YouTube channel, All Things QB. You've obviously got your hands full with the quarterback camps and all that, so talk about what you're up to, how people can view your content, and how they can get a hold of you on social media.
1: Yeah, just, they can follow me on Twitter at TJenkinsElite, or they can uh, go on the YouTube channel, All Things QB, and I do some shorter form stuff on Twitter and then I do some longer form stuff on YouTube. So yeah. And if anyone has any quarterback questions, they can always tweet them at me and I'll do my best to answer. Sometimes it gets a little crazy on Sundays, but I will, uh, I'll always do my best and, and I hope it just makes watching football a little bit more fun because to me, I think the game gave me so much. So as long as anyone's, you know, enjoying it and watching it and, and maybe, Hey, recognizing a play here and there, I think it's, You know, it's more fun on Sunday. So I appreciate you having me on, man. And and I look forward to coming back once uh, Zach's back.
4: Go ahead and subscribe to Tim's YouTube channel, All Things QB. Check him out on Twitter at TJenkinsElite. And, of course, if you've got a young quarterback in your life who needs guidance and needs to go to some of these quarterback camps, check out his website where all the information is and you can sign them up. To get taught by the QB Whisperer of Colorado, Mr. Tim Jenkins. Make sure you check out PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Lots of great videos up there right now. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, is going to be putting together some all 22 videos this week. So check those out and subscribe if you haven't already. And give us a five-star review for the podcast if you haven't done that already on iTunes. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, it would be quite great for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like
2: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere